Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. So as you know, I'm a coach. And when people hire me, they have some objective in mind. They want to get to some place where they currently are not. And I help them. Actually, they do the work, but we fill in the gap so they can get to where they want to go. And I've hired coaches, I've hired numerous coaches, and the thing that's always helped me the most is to pay 100% up front. I did that with my last coach, and the reason is, is because I am committed at that point. If I'm getting golf lessons, I'm buying a package of golf lessons. So I'm committed, I'm paying in advance. A gym membership, whatever I can possibly do to pay in advance, if I know I wanna to commit to that, and I know I wanna get make some progress, I'm gonna be all in. And so, and I do that the same with my coaching. When people hire me, they pay up front. And that's the best possible, that's really about them because they're putting skin in the game right away and I'm not going to start working with somebody until they have that kind of level of commitment because then I know they're going to get the best results. And as I look back and I've priced it different ways at different times, I've always seen the best results when somebody has that amount of commitment. They're putting their money where their mouth is and they're jumping in. And so they have to deal with giving responsibility to somebody else, me in that case, because I'm not going to fix them. They're going to do all the work. I'm going to be their accountability and their guide. I'm going to give them tools along the way, but they're going to see tremendous progress as they invest in themselves. So, you know, we can give away our power. We can give responsibility to other things. In today's episode, episode number 95 of the Decide Your Legacy podcast, I'm going to talk to you about the power of taking responsibility. So the power of taking responsibility for your life, not giving it to anybody else, keeping it within yourself. So if you found this podcast helpful, subscribe so you won't miss another episode. You're not going to want to miss another episode. So give it a rating and review on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast content. That helps it to grow organically so it can reach more people and help more people. I'm your host, Adam Gragg. I am a legacy coach, a writer, speaker, and a licensed mental health professional for over 20 years. My passion is to help people find and develop confidence, self-confidence, and clarity that propels them forward to face their biggest fears so they can live their legacy. And I talk about stuff that I struggle with myself. So I'm not perfect. I'm a fellow traveler. I have not figured all this out. Something uncomfortable I did recently, and I share one uncomfortable, scary thing that I did every episode because nothing is more important to your mental health than facing your fears, and nothing is more damaging to your mental health than playing it safe, listening to your fears. So what I did is I faced some false allegations assertively. I just clarified my perspective poked holes in the situation. And that required me to let go because I could be, there could be retaliation. There could be some kind of judgment. Who knows? But I'm going to tell the truth. I stood up and sometimes God has me stand up. Sometimes God has me let it play out. I just want to follow his lead. And that's what I did. So this is the podcast that you do, not just listen to. You actually get uncomfortable too. So right now I want you to think about an area of your life where you struggle to take responsibility. Is it your daily schedule? Is it exercise? Is it your emotions? Is it your fears? Is it what you focus on? Is it that you blame people consistently or you look at all your problems in life as having an external solution, not an internal solution? What is the issue for you? I want you to write that down or speak it into your phone. Where do you lack responsibility? Where are you not taking responsibility? We can 
blame shift. We can justify, we can rationalize, we can minimize. There's all these different coping mechanisms that we have at our disposal to not look at ourselves and to say, this is something I got to own. And this is only something I can change. Now there's tremendous power when you actually do that, but it's scary. It's like throwing in that commitment to invest in yourself. It's scary at first because you don't know what the actual result is going to be, but you're believing by faith that I can own this thing and then I can do something about it. The power in that is saying that I have some influence over my life. I have tremendous influence over my life. I can change this. I mean, whatever it is that I'm struggling with, there's any, there are solutions that I can focus on. You, know, you, you focus on the problem, you get more of the problem. You focus on the solutions, you get more of the solutions. And that's your power is you can focus, you can channel it. So there's, there's great cost to giving your power away. You know, sometimes I hear about people in their 40s that are still getting money from their parents to live on. Sometimes I hear about people that are living in their parents' basements. Sometimes I hear about people in dating situations where they're depending on this person they're not married to to provide for their financial needs. Those are all very unhealthy codependent tendencies that people can fall into. And you don't win by doing that. You lose your dignity. You lose your trust in yourself. You lose your integrity, your personal integrity, your alignment with your values, your dependent on somebody else. You can't feel as if you can handle life's problems and challenges when they come your way. It's not a benefit. And when people enable somebody else, that's actually a harmful behavior and action towards that other person. It is not an act of love. You may justify it, rationalize it, minimize it, but it is not an act of love. The benefits of taking responsibility are freedom, our dignity, our sense of worth and value in yourself. You get little wins. You get to stand up with your head high. You may be broke, you may have a failed business, but you can still say you went to bed at the end of the day saying that, you know what, I'm taking responsibility for this thing that I call my life. I'm creating it, I'm owning it, I'm messing up and I'm learning, but it's mine. It's mine, I can't point a finger at anybody else but myself. And there's power in that because that gives you the power to change it at that point. It's not dependent on somebody else and what they do and their decisions and what kind of money they give you or opportunities they give you. You make things happen in your own life. That is your power and that is the benefit. So I have three things that you can do to take responsibility for your life. Power action. So powerful thing you can do, number one, is you have power. You can own your thoughts. You can own your perspective. You can own the thoughts that primarily go through your head. You can't fully control them. There are intrusive thoughts, but you can step back from them and say, this perspective is mine. I am thinking this way, and I do not know if it's accurate or not. You start to put some space between it and what you believe is truth, and you start questioning it and saying, is this really reality? What have I been focusing on? What have I been thinking about? Who have I been around? You know, that has a huge impact of, on your life. Who are the friends that you're trying to interact with consistently? Are you playing it safe? Are you hiding around out from the healthy people in your life who could challenge you and show you a different perspective? Or are you just staying in your own little safe circle, always getting the same political opinions from the same types of people again and again, the gossip that is diminishing others so you can feel better about yourself? Are you engaging that consistently? What you are focusing on consistently is going to impact the direction of your life. Yet you can own this thinking that you have, and then you can start to change it and start replacing it. So people that have addictive behaviors consistently are focusing on things that lead into addictive types of actions. So somebody with a porn addiction is continuously lusting or thinking about that next engagement in pornography. Someone with an alcohol addiction is probably planning the next drink. Someone with a nicotine addiction is thinking about when they're going to buy some more nicotine. Somebody with an addiction to gossip and negativity about other people is potentially 
pretty much often thinking about how to criticize or how to judge or how to feel better than someone else by looking at their weaknesses. Those are habits that we face and we can take responsibility for them and change them. Or we can blame them and say, I'm too old. It is what it is. I can't change. I'm too depressed. I'm too anxious. And the list goes on and on. There's always a reason to say that I don't want to change. And there's always a reason that you can make changes. And I'm a thousand percent confident of that for everybody listening here today, a thousand percent confident that you can change. You can change how you live your life. You can change the perspective that you have. It's going to take work, but you can do it. You know, I was reading a study this morning about the connection between worry and dementia, kind of a scary thing. And I thought, you know, if I worried more and I do worry some, but I feel like I have a handle on it a lot of times, a lot of days these days, I've had seasons when I haven't, but I think it'd be pretty motivating to me to look at a study like that and to say, if I don't get a handle of this worry, I can, I'm doing some brain damage, man. I'm doing some brain damage and I'm causing the health of my brain to deteriorate because I'm not focusing on the solution and I'm getting stuck in the problem and I'm listening to my fears rather than facing them. That's pretty scary. I mean, that's a long-term consequence right there. And I'm not saying it's the only thing that causes dementia. It's not, but I do believe that reading is tremendously valuable when it comes to keeping your mind healthy. I do believe that healthy people, tremendously valuable. If you want to stay young, maybe you're old by age, but you want to stay young in mind. I think that not worrying and giving it up and letting go of the outcome and doing and taking a risk is tremendously helpful for mental health significantly. And so we know that anxiety is fed by ambiguity, not defining the problem. It's fed by focusing on the worst outcome and it's fo it's fed by avoidance. So if you have a fear, whether that's a fear of flying or snakes or men or women or whatever it may be, you want to face that fear. You want to find some ways to incrementally face that thing that you're afraid of. And that's the most damaging part of the whole anxiety production equation is the avoidance. The ambiguity, some people can get that down. You know, what is the problem? I can define the problem. But people don't want to start there oftentimes. They want to spin in their own head and not actually define, this is really what I'm worried about, putting it on paper, starting to focus on what the best or the most likely outcome is, and then starting to tackle that challenge. Get in the arena, get in the game. Personalizing things feeds negative thinking and depression, saying it's about me, it's all my fault, or I'm a victim, all that stuff. And you may be a victim, but you don't have to live as a victim. I mean, people that have gone through trauma are victims of horrible, horrific, evil kind of crap. I mean, there is no doubt about it. But whether or not they're victimized by it each and every day of their lives is up to them. They can get help. They can hire a coach. They can hire a counselor. They can get friendships, nurturing, supportive, loving friends that will help them through it. They don't have to stay stuck. So personalizing it, seeing it as pervasive, meaning, meaning that it encompasses your entire life, not just one part of your life. You lost your job, maybe. That doesn't mean you're a loser dad and a loser husband and you failure financially. It just means you got a setback to tackle right now. And then the permanency, that's the most damaging part of that thinking cycle is we see it as never changing. It's permanent. I'm stuck. It's never going to get better. So what can you do here? Well, a few things. You can take notice of your thoughts. You can start to become aware that I am thinking that I can't go hit golf balls after work because I have way too much to do to prepare for this podcast. And then I can look at that and say, what evidence and truth is there with that? Because actually I can do a better podcast when I relieve my stress and get outside on a beautiful day, like it was today with my dog sitting on the driving range, hitting golf balls for an hour and then meeting some really cool people and talking. And then I actually have better content. So we can talk ourselves into thinking something. And then if we notice it, we can start saying, I don't have to believe this bull. This is not true. I can rise above this. We can do an input inventory, which is looking at all the inputs you have mentally in your day. Who are the friends you hang out with? What's the stuff you look at on social media? How often are you on social media? What are you watching on TV? What kind of stuff are you binging on Netflix? What are you looking at as far as news? Who 
whose influence is significant in your life? How often are you reaching out to those encouraging friends versus the colleagues that gossip? You get to do that input inventory and start managing your time and setting boundaries so that you can minimize the negative inputs and maximize the positive. You can figure out the source of your thoughts, which is saying, where did this come from? Where does this negativity bias come from? And it could come from trauma. You recognize it. Or where does this lack of trust in people come from? It comes from betrayal that I've had in the past. It's not reality. It's not this person. It's not this current situation. It's the past. I don't have to bring that with me. That's noticing your thoughts and learning how to get space from it. And then we can figure out the benefit of those thoughts, the payoff of those thoughts. And generally that's because we believe it's a faulty source of motivation and it's keeping us safe, which it is not. So the second thing you can do. Taking personal responsibility for your life, gaining that kind of power is to own your emotions. It's very easy to blame other people and say, look at the world right now or the life and the world we live in. Look at this world. It's so negative. It's so hostile. All this stuff that's going on is bad. The war here, the war there. And these things are all true and they're all reality. You know, the sex trafficking, the economic turmoil, inflation. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, but we can own the fact that we are creating our emotions through our perspective. We are creating our emotions through what we are focusing on consistently, and we're letting emotions stick that are not valid and not questioning their validity. So we're saying, I feel depressed, so I must be depressed. Everything is sad in my life. Nothing is good in the future. No, that's just being starting to become aware that I'm feeling depressed in my body and in my demeanor and starting to say, well, what is the source of that depression? What have I been doing with my time? How have I been focusing my energy? Okay, it's led to some emotional state that I'm in because I know that if I'm consistently focusing on the friends that love me that are trustworthy and the people that are supportive of me that have been with me through the most difficult times of my life and I'm thinking about the things that I have achieved and overcome in my life, I'm gonna end up feeling confident. It is guaranteed. You know, there are times when I look in the mirror and I just tell myself the things that I am grateful for in my life and things that I like about myself, because I do most days, not every day, but I do like myself most days. And I can tell myself and look at myself and say that I'm an honest person. I can say I'm there for my friends. I can say I want to be there for my friends. I'm not there perfectly, but I can say that I want to be and I feel as if I am progressing professionally. I can tell myself the truth about my life and then remember that the truth is more powerful than the fear, which is based on lies, because those emotions that you have are yours and yours alone. No one's forced you to have them. You can be confident in the midst of critical, harsh, negative people. You can believe in yourself when no one else does. The world is filled with examples. Just go read a great biography. But you can find all kinds of examples of people who rise above their circumstances and have made something of their lives, despite the strong emotions to the contrary, saying that they're worthless and unlovable and helpless, and it's a horrible situation, and you're never going to get out of it. You're just going to reproduce that cycle again and again. Yet we can see and have examples of people rising above that consistently. What are you focusing on consistently? So are you feeding your fears? Emotional state is for you to own. Are you feeding your fears consistently? And that is worry. And so you're not choosing to say, hey, stop it, brain. I mean, I will put a rubber band around my wrist sometimes when I'm struggling with worry and can't get out of my head. And I'll just snap it every time I have a worry. And I'll do it, you know, 20 times before it sinks in that there it goes again, that crazy brain of Adams again. It's just going, going, going. But it gives me a physical reminder that I can stop this. I can choose to do something different. I can take a different action. If it's something as basic as going on a walk or throwing a Frisbee with a friend or calling a friend to come hit halt hit golf balls with me or calling a friend just to talk about whatever it is that's bothering me right now, no matter what time of day, even in the middle of the night, I've done that before. And I've gotten a hold of some friends. Don, thank you very much. And I've talked to people at 3 a.m. in the morning who have 
talked me out of some crazy thinking that I've been waking up with at different times in my life over the last few years and the last five years. So it can, it's something we have power over. So what can you do here? Well, one is you can start modeling, model to yourself owning your emotions. So what that means is if you're going to model it, you're going to tell people how you feel, even if it may not be something that is reality. So it takes a lot of courage to say, I am scared. And the worst thing someone else can say is, don't be scared. You know, you, you wimp, you know, come on. No, good friends are going to listen to you and say, well, what's going on? You know, talk to me about it. And they're going to help you see, ask you questions, help you see where your perspective is potentially not valid. Oh, you know what? You know, I've seen you handle this before, and I, I know you can handle it again. I mean, that could be something very encouraging, not invalidating. It could be invalidating to say that if you said that right off the bat before understanding what somebody else is scared about. But if you listen to them and you validate and you show empathy and you try to put yourself in their shoes, then you're going to end up encouraging them because just by you listening to them, they're going to talk themselves into some truth in that specific situation. So you start modeling the expression of emotions and identifying these fears, identifying the excitement and sharing the excitement. I know I annoy people because I can get really excited about things that aren't really exciting to other people, but that's okay. And vulnerable Adam is going to go ahead and show that and show the world that because at that point, it's not about me. It's actually just about being real with people because I know that's the biggest blessing to other people when I'm real with other people, when I'm acting true to myself to other people. That may sound selfish, but it's not. It's not selfish at all because I'm able, I'm able to be myself around other people and not be dictated by how they're going to react to me. So I'm offering them the best version of myself, which is a very generous act. You model it. You admit that when your emotions could be off, you know, I might be wrong about this, but I'm really frustrated in this situation because I didn't, don't feel like you got this project done to the best of your ability. It could be that you're, you're apologizing for emotional reactions that you had in the past, in the recent past. So, you know, I overreacted and I'm sorry, no excuses. I want to own that. You know, you get new factual information and you realize your emotions are unfounded. So you think somebody is betraying you and you think you can't trust them. And then you overreact to somebody or to them. And then you go back and you say, I was wrong. And my emotions got the best of me. No excuses. I'm sorry. That's owning your emotions. You can figure out the source of your emotions, which is connected to your thinking and then identify the benefit of that thinking. So you do this, you, you, you actually trace them back to what kind of perspective and what habits have I been developing with my perspective that have impacted my emotional state. So I know when I listen to good books that are inspiring and inspiring podcasts that encourage me and sermons, and I go to church and I'm around these positive friends that I have, and I'm putting boundaries in place with friends or relationships that I know can be damaging or discouraging, that I'm starting to see my emotional state shift because of these intentional actions that I'm taking to preserve my healthy emotional state. I have to set those boundaries or I'm keeping my schedule. I'm showing up for myself by getting up on time and drinking enough water and getting to the gym and going to yoga yoga class and having a devotional time. I'm doing these things consistently and I'm connecting that those are impacting my emotional state in a positive way. Something you can do is you can just make a commitment to yourself that you know is going to be hard over the next week. I'll give you some ideas. Tomorrow or every morning this week when you get up, you're going to drink 32 ounces of water before you have a cup of coffee. That's something you could do. You're going to set your alarm and you're going to get up without the snooze button going off and hitting the snooze button for seven days straight until the next podcast comes out. Or you're going to go to bed at 9.30 or 10 or whatever your bedtime is, and you're going to go to bed with the lights out, not a book in your hand, not a phone in your hand. It is bedtime. You may lay there for a little bit, but you hit the goal because you went to bed. Or you stay, you say no to social media for a week. Holy cow. 
Now, that's a major influence right there. So, in fact, I was listening to a sermon yesterday, and there was some statistics citing that the average male in the United States has about two hours with good friends a week, if they have good friends, when in 1990, they had six and a half hours. And they're replacing it with things like social media and texting and non-connection-related activities. One good reason to play golf, all right, which I'm not good at, but I do like. (laughs) So, anyway... What can you commit to doing? And then you know, okay, I commit to doing, for example, drinking 32 ounces of water. When I get up, miracle morning, I'm going to do it no matter what. Make the commitment. All right. So you wake up and then your thoughts chime in and your emotions chime in and you say, I want a cup of coffee. This is uncomfortable. This is stupid. I can't do this. This is, I mean, that was a stupid podcast that decided your legacy podcast, whatever it is, but the discomfort just rises up in you. And you think it's a little thing when you commit to it, but it's not going to be, if you're going to do it seven days in a row. And then you have that glass of water and you tell yourself you're going to throw up or whatever. And then you tell yourself, I can't do this another day, but that's owning your emotions because you're seeing that these emotions are coming from a place of discomfort. They're not coming from a place of benefit. It's trying to, they're trying to pull you away from something, you know, that is actually very good for you. And so you consistently do it just knowing that the emotion, you're gonna have to lean into the emotion and not give into it. And then you're going to start to see that you can do it and it starts to change your habits. So if you've found this podcast helpful or any podcast I've ever put out, hit the link to Shatterproof Yourself. These are seven small steps to a giant leap in your mental health, in your mental health and your mental toughness, which is your resiliency, ability to handle things that come your way. I talk about relationships. I talk about your perspective much more in depth. I have action items and journal entries, and there's a worksheet that goes along with it that you're not going to want to miss, and you're only going to get it as a subscriber to the Decide Your Legacy e-newsletter, and you get the link in the show notes. Check it out. So number three, you have power in owning your actions. Power, and that's a responsibility you can take is own your actions. So what do I mean? So what you say is something you can own. I mean, the words that come out of your mouth can kill or they can bring life. They have the power to destroy and they have the power to encourage. They have the power to bring the best out of people or knock people down to the point where they never get up again. And I've seen it and I've heard it and I see it all the time because people hear things as a kid, they want to be a musician and then somebody's critical of them as a musician and they give up on this dream and this calling that God's put them in their lives, which actually that criticism with high achiever people, they realize that that's been one of their biggest motivating factors in life. So eventually they can think and have gratitude towards that critical person in their life who hopefully has owned their stuff and their actions, but probably has not because it may be someone distant in their past, but it could be someone in their life right now, but they've realized and seen that that was actually a motivator in their life, but we can own our actions. Are you honest or are you hiding out and being deceptive? Are you shooting straight with people, telling them how you really feel in a loving, kind, and gentle way, in a way that's going to preserve their dignity and hopefully create the least amount of defensiveness, but it's going to be honest. That's a superpower. Someone asked me recently, what one quality would you like to be remembered for the most, Adam? And I've thought about that. And the thing that I've come up with is I want to be known. I want to be remembered in my legacy for a number of different things, for a sense of humor, for caring about people, for showing up when they need me, for being there in the most difficult times in people's lives, in my friends' lives, my family's lives, for being forgiving. And for being honest. I want to be remembered for being honest. And honesty is not something I'm always perfect at. It's it's not the easiest thing in the world, because I am not always honest about my emotional state. I'm not always honest about 
what is really driving me inside. And I've been notorious for saying everything's fine, but I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress and that's pretty crucial. And that's my ownership of something that I can struggle with. So we have owning our actions in very difficult situations as well, which as a family therapist for 24 years, I've seen so many times where people, they betray a spouse, they betray their children, they may have been distant as a parent, they may have had addiction, they may have even left and abandoned their children. And these people that listen, or people listening right now, if you're one of those people who has done something that you highly regret, and you have really have two choices. I mean, you could let that thing that you regret so much be something that destroys the rest of your life. Or the other alternative is really three. You can just live in torment and never own it, even live in torment and act like you own it and say you're sorry and everything, or you can change and you can turn from whatever it is that was leading to that difficulty or that led to that deception or that betrayal. You can turn from those kinds of actions and behaviors, the thoughts and the emotions, and then the actual physical actions, because it goes in order like that. It goes from thoughts to feelings to actions, and then results come after that. But we can own that, and that's a tremendous amount of power to say, I can own that. And I know in times in my life when I've said I've I've owned, I'm sorry, and and I and I try to you know, I, I try to assure them I'm going to turn from this and I can articulate what I did that was wrong and what I did that I don't want to do anymore, then I felt a sense of power that now I no longer have to be burdened by this horrific type of behavior pattern in my life. Now I no longer have to be thinking and weighed down by these things that I did in the past. I learned to forgive myself. Owning it is a, is a way I can forgive myself. I'm no longer justifying what I did. I'm no longer making excuses for what I did. I'm no longer minimizing what I did. I'm no longer trying to rationalize what I did. I am owning what I did, and that gives me the power to change. And in that moment is where you actually change, because that's remorse. And that's the importance of remorse, is when you know that you've hurt somebody— the remorse part is when you're you're attempting and you're starting to feel the damage that you have done. And so when you're sorry for something and you can articulate to somebody why you are sorry for something, that's going to start the process of rebuilding trust because they're going to start seeing that this is a person who is not going to hurt me in that way again because they're feeling the pain that I have felt. And so they'll never do that again. And if you feel a certain level of remorse, so let's just take betrayal, for example. If you've been betrayed and you know the pain that you felt, and then you know that your betrayer is understanding the pain that he or she has inflicted, there's going to be this level of, I'm not going to be hurt again in that same way by that person. And that level of remorse that they express is going to heal them as well. It's very painful for them, of course, but it's the ownership. And that's the thing. It's a lot less painful than living in a denial state. It's a lot less painful long-term than not owning your stuff. And you have that kind of power in your life. So some actions you can take is apologize regularly. I believe if you have children and you haven't had to apologize them over the last week, then you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> you're probably disengaged and you should apologize for that right there. So not investing in them the way that they should be invested in. If you haven't made a mistake in your communication to them, you're not communicating enough because if you don't and you you, they see you have this pattern of saying, you know what, that's my fault. I did that out of hurt. No excuses. I am sorry. I am very sorry. I am very sorry, Emerson. I am very sorry, Brian. I am very sorry, mom. I'm very sorry, dad. I am, I am very sorry, 
Erica. I'm very sorry, Brandon. I'm just rattling off people in my life that I've hurt, you know, but not, haven't hurt them recently. At least I don't think so. I'm not apologizing right now, but the people that you're close to, you're going to hurt the most because you're going to have interactions with them consistently. And that's where you're refining your weaknesses and you're refining yourself. You're becoming a better version of yourself because you are working on your own level of honesty around those people. And that requires ownership. And it's going to require a lot more ownership than you realize in healthy relationships. There's a lot of apology in healthy relationships. So let's go ahead and recap these things. Responsibility is a superpower. You can change when you start owning the amount of power you have in your life, the power over your emotions, the power over your perspective, the power over your actions. When you do, you're going to start to see the power of responsibility and the freedom that that will bring in your life. You no longer have to live with the torment of secrecy or the torment of blame shifting or the torment of living with irrationality or living with an attitude that is harsh and negative and critical. You can let go of it because you no longer need that security blanket, which those emotions like anger can be a security blanket, but you can let go of it. And yes, you could be hurt again, especially when it's something like betrayal or abandonment. So a father who was not there for his kids, he doesn't realize the power he actually has to just go back, even if it's been 20 years and say, that was horrible and I am sorry. And whatever it takes to prove that, whatever it takes to make it up, I want to do it. I love you. And I can't believe that I did that. That's the power right there. And that's the power that hopefully you hear as you listen to this, that you can repair relationships. And I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot in my career. I have a great career where I get to see victories. I've seen it. So you have the power to repair, even if it's been 20, 25 years. So there you go. What resonated with you most today? In the next 24 hours, I want you to teach something you learned to somebody else naturally, and also take a mo an emotional risk based on something that you've learned today, which emotional risks are scarier than skydiving. If you haven't skydived, try it out. You'll see. Once you get off that plane, there's really no fear. <laughs> but getting on that plane is kind of scary. Emotional risks where you're vulnerable are the scariest things you face in life. So remember my rule, 2080 rule, insight is 20% of transformational change and action is 80% or more. This podcast is insight, but it's gonna work and help you when you take action based on what you heard today. So please hire me as a coach. If you're, well, if you're ready and willing to jump in and make a commitment, you're gonna see results and the results are gonna be coming from your actions consistently. I'll hold you accountable. I'll give you the tools. One of my legacy coaches will guide you along the way. You will find the experience tremendously powerful and beneficial. Reach out. I'd love to talk to you. Love to have someone on my team talk to you. Hire me to speak live or over Zoom. I prefer live, but I do stuff over Zoom to this very day. Popular topics generally around communication, relationships, reaching your goals, vision, dreaming, moving forward, getting unstuck. You know, it all relates to anxiety and fear, overcoming that fear, self-confidence, moving forward with your life, living your legacy today. So I'm going to sign off the way that I always do. Make it your mission to live the life now that you want to be remembered for 10 years after you're gone. You decide your legacy. Nobody else. I appreciate you greatly, and I'll see you next time. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.